again. Another year, another day in the calendar where Coach Tim and I coming at you for Swing Thoughts 2023. Hi, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, to our, and Happy New Year to our faithful listeners coming into our eighth season. That's ridiculous. You know, it occurred to me, because I, I was going to... There's somebody I wanted to talk to you about. By the way, you look it's, great. It's all good? It's yeah, you know, everything's great. Um, I'm not sure if anyone's watching this, but both of us are wearing hoodies, because we're cool. <laughs> <laughs> There's two guys yeah, who... I didn't wear hoodies. I, I thought they were... They somehow bothered me, and then yeah. somehow they didn't bother me anymore, so... Well, because, you know, you're, you're trying to keep up with the kids. You know, in Saskatchewan, you know what we call these? <laughs> No. Bunny hugs. <laughs> yeah. Go look it up. It's a uh, Saskatchewan thing. Um, no, so what I wanted to talk to you about, and by the way, everyone, I'm a golf spiritual leader, as you know, and uh, this is Coach Tim, and uh, we're brought to you by TaylorMade. I already got, you know, here's the cool thing. I already got some of my TaylorMade stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Now, not the driver. Not the secret stealth, uh, nothing, because I'm not getting new irons. I'm just going to get them regripped. So I, I got a driver three wood, a couple hybrids. I got the wedges. They've come already. The wedges are here. And uh, maybe you'll find this amusing. Like I used high toes for a couple years, which I oh, really yeah. like. And then which last, I still use. Yeah, they're great. No. Last year I went to the MG Grind. But the problem was, they were. I thought I'd get, you know, speaking of being cool, I thought I'd be cool and I'd get the them in do- all dark, right? Their, their black sort of finish. Oh, yeah. The problem is, <laughs> I, can't, I can't see what numbers are on the bottom. <laughs> so I, I got the exact same wedges. I just got them in silver or whatever uh, stainless steel finish so I can see what... I really couldn't, Tim. There was lots of times last summer I'd have to put my glasses on to see the difference between 54 and 50. Is this, is this the difference between being 54 years old and 62 years old? Soon to be 63. It, within days, right? Uh, yeah, within uh, 20 days from now. Oh, okay. So you and I are combined. Um, are you 65 yet? Yes. Wow. I know. Like I a, was walking yesterday or the day before. I went, holy shit. Next birthday, 66. Okay. Got to be okay with it. Got to be okay with it. Um, you do uh, 50. Is it a 50 or 100 a day? Push-ups. Oh, here we go again, eh? Uh, yes, 100 okay. push-ups. 100 a push-ups day. a day. I read this on the weekend <laughs> that if you can do a man, if you're a man and you can do 40 push-ups in a row without stopping and real push-ups, that is a huge predictor of good health oh. so there you go i did right. 10 and then my well, shoulders gave up run <laughs> you know you <laughs> i see seriously do you hear that i did 10 and then my shoulders gave out yeah and uh well you got to work up to these yeah, things I like i said i know when you uh when you dragged me out to talk about it last time um that i worked at that over a matter of years so it's uh, not just get down and uh, see how manly you can be and mm. you can do. So here's what I want to talk to you about, because I knew that I think I saw because you and I had been corresponding the last couple of days. And uh, 
in one of the things that I read of yours, and we were editing something for me, you said we were entering our eighth season. So when we started, would it have been 2015? I believe so. I can even even look at my Overcast podcast app and confirm it. Let's see. I'm looking now. People who are watching on YouTube see me looking at my phone. Um, yeah, this is what this is what's called being real, everybody. This is really happening. This program. Uh, it only goes to show twenty four. Okay, that well, that was in twenty sixteen. Um, I believe it was twenty fifteen. Okay, I, I think so too. I think it was twenty fifteen. That's when I met you. You were writing this article on in Fairway Magazine. I think it's called Fairways. I'm counting. Yeah. He's using all his yeah, fingers. Yeah, 2016. I think so. We met in 2015, and uh, we did. I did the article for. Yeah, it was Fairway. I just said it. Yeah, for Fairways. Yeah, and then we chatted and we noodled around with the idea, and then I think we officially started in 2016. So, so I just counted we, on my So we fingers. didn't. We didn't do a podcast in 2015. Uh, we might have did what I call Tim's like the practice podcast. ones. Yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> Why am I bringing this up? Well, I'm bringing it up because I was trying to get my head around the fact that I guess when I met you, whether we, we recorded or not, when I met you, I was still drinking. Mm. Do you yeah. recall? Do you? Because I had this memory when I was thinking about this of you and I meeting to discuss the article you were writing on me and having a beer with you at... Um, the the uh, restaurant at Glen Karen at the uh, uh, bistro. Actually, the f- uh, it was either Rattlesnake Point or a restaurant in Milton, a sports bar in Milton, where we first met. Yeah. Aw, look at us recounting our first date. But was I drinking at the time? I must have been. Yeah, but having a beer isn't drinking to me, but... Okay. Yeah. Well, no, so, having yeah, a drink. Having a beer, you were still... Yeah, you were imbibing. Um, <laughs> do you, do you as a writer, way. do you understand the word semantics? Yeah, we were having a drink together. God, it's like, you know, you know, which one of us... Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is, we. I was still drinking. Whether you count having a beer as drinking or not, God, <laughs> this is why. this is why we need counseling. The point I'm trying to get to is yes. seven years passed since we started this podcast, corresponding with the seven-year anniversary that I just passed. Mm-hmm. Um, soberversary, as we uh, former drinkers call it. And um, two days ago was seven years since I stopped drinking. Thank you for that applause. So this is the point I'm trying to get at. How, what does it have to do with being a, a golfer or a golf podcast? And well, part of it is you know we like to be we like to think of our swing thoughts uh, devotees, the STDs, as part of our family now. And I got a lot of nice notes from people that listen to this podcast, and I wanted to thank them. Got a nice note from Scott Fawcett. Ah, nice. Yeah, and um, and what does that what does that have to do with golf? And as well is um. You know, making changes as human beings is not easy, but doable. Mm-hmm. And um, the changes that I made to my drinking habit uh, is similar to changes in, you know, trying to make changes in your game. 
And I thought I could, you know, we could talk a little bit about that and, and how drinking, how, how stopping to, you know, I, people always ask me how I did it. And I, I know everyone thinks I went to AA and I did, but not for me, strangely enough, I went to AA in support of somebody else. So I did, I know the program, but I didn't do the program to quit, to quit drinking. What I did is I, it was very similar to, you know, the changes we've made or I've made in my golf swing and people make in their golf games is I did one thing just over and over again. And as I posted the other day on the, I stopped drinking and one day I stopped drinking and now 2,555 days have passed, but it's not like I did 2,555 different things. I just did the same thing over and over again, which is I just stopped drinking every day. And I know that's a bit of a hack, cliche, AA thing about, you know, everyone can fight the battle of one day. But, you know, and the idea is, you know, I don't really think about what about the club championship or what about some uh, occasion that I'm either going to golf or have a drink. I just think about today. I know I won't, you know, today's Wednesday, the 4th of January, and I'm pretty certain I won't have a drink today. Again, what I wanted to talk about with you as a coach is, when people start to make changes in their game, sometimes it can be overwhelming because they think about, okay, I need to learn it all today because the club championship's coming up, because that tournament's coming up. But in actual fact, you know, we've even had people say this to us on the show. Make a little bit of, you know, if you can get a little bit better every day, if you can work on that thing every day, which is one of the reasons that people give up making swing changes. Because it's hard and they don't see any, you know, benefit right away. But if you do it for 2,555 days, you'll see some. Thoughts, comments, concerns. This is my opening essay. I will now take questions. <laughs> uh, well, I this is awesome because, well, isn't this the kind of thing that people talk about at the beginning of the year? Yes. You know, New Year's resolutions or changes and things they want to do for the year and setting goals and all that stuff. Um, so I've been having um, uh, conversations with clients about this type of thing. Um, I've got a blog in the works. And, you know, it's right on point even when you talked about doing, you know, 100 push-ups a day. It didn't st- – I didn't have a goal that I was going to going to do. All I wanted to do this number of push-ups. All I wanted to do was every day, every weekday. I decided I was just going to do this thing, and I think it started with twenty-five, and then then that became easier, and, and I came to thirty, and then it became thirty-five, and forty, and forty-five, and now and now fifty. But as you said, it's an easy thing day after day after day after day. So it didn't correspond to meeting some you know big, hairy, audacious goal, which is something – that's why I have a little bit of a problem, maybe a big problem, with the whole idea of setting goals. Because goals are set in the future. So to connect to your point, if I'm just doing something day after day – to me, that's more fulfilling, more I can get energy from that. So maybe I'll throw it back to you and say, is it what I'm talking about? Is that somewhat similar to, say, um, making a different choice each day rather than having a drink? I'm going to choose to do something else. Does that connect? Yeah, I mean, 
I did set a goal, and, and that explanation of the uh, push-ups is a great one because, you know, if somebody tried to do, well, I'd, you know, if I tried to do two sets of 50 push-ups a day for starting tomorrow, I would hurt myself. But and when I demoralize, yeah, and you stop, you know, yeah. from a golfer's standpoint, you know, I, I've made this joke on the show a bunch of times. If, 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 if people had any idea how hard even an incremental change in your golf motion really is, not, I mean, not not impossible, just very difficult because it takes daily repetition to the point where it becomes an eight. And, and and you don't think about it anymore, but it takes a long time to get there. You know, the old joke in golf, you know, change a grip, lose a friend. You know, m- making a small change in your, the way you hold the, the club is so difficult. But, yeah. you know, if you did a little bit of it every day, it would probably be doable. Yeah. I had a goal when I quit. I, I didn't, two, I did two things. I didn't tell anybody. I also didn't do it on January 1st, you know, in typical, you know, fashion i decided i was drink all day iconoclastic fashion yeah. i i drank all day on january 1st 19, or 2016 i drank all day and then at some point i decided i was having my last drink and i said let's see if you can go 100 days because i hadn't gone any days i hadn't missed a day of drinking in a long time and so i didn't tell fred or anyone i worked with for a few weeks maybe a month or so before I made some grand proclamation hmm. to your point now about saying, you know, I'm going to win the club championship or I'm going to do this. I think it's good to have to set goals. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up is I think setting a goal for yourself as a player or as a golfer. And maybe this is the year you want to get your handicap under 10 or whatever it is as a and respecting what you said about the future as an overall pathway. I think it's fine. Because then you, back to what your um, routine is, then you bring it back to what will I do today to get to my goals of 100 push-ups a day? Well, I got to start with one at least. Yep. And as you just explained, you build it up. So with me, I said, okay, could I get to 100 days? And I did. And then I sort of had this bullshit explanation I was telling people before I admitted that I was an alcoholic, I told Fred and a few people, so I'm on a, I'm doing a cleanse because at the same time I quit drinking, I also stopped eating meat for 14 months. I became a vegetarian, not a vegan. Like I just went all in. I'm like, okay, I needed to de bloat myself. I was 30 pounds heavier than I am now. So I was pretty big. And I got to a hundred days and I got to six months. And I went, well, that's pretty cool. I wonder if I could get to a year. And then after that, I just kind of, I just got out of the habit. And now seven years have passed. It's crazy to me. And amazing. And and amazing. I mean, because we all know that there's people who, they quit smoking for sake of example. And, you know, for years. And then they started again. I mean, it's just, or people who've lost a lot of weight and, and gained it all back or even more. So, I wanted to explore with you on this topic something that I remember when we had Judson Brewer on our show. Um, it was in our, I think, our second year. And you got into a really interesting conversation with him about, I think it was something along the lines of that instead of quitting smoking, 
what was more effective to you, and this is regard, uh, related to a book you'd read, it was about making a different choice. That you just, you're choosing, I don't know, to do something different than smoke. I, I don't know. Do you remember that conversation? Uh, I, I do. And, and I know, you know, first of all, I'm fascinated by the fact, I, I can't remember what we talked on, talked about at the beginning of this show. Forget to year two. Um, well, no, the book I read was called Alan. Again, this would be good for people who are just want to quit smoking. It was called Alan Carr's Easy Way to Quit Smoking. And most people fail, you know, quitting as I did tens and tens of times. I failed because I was using the willpower method, mm-hmm. which is, you know, well, which a lot of people do. They sort of white knuckle. You've ever heard yeah. that expression, white knuckle alcoholic, where they're, you know, where they. They still want to drink, but they're not letting themselves do that. And same with smoking. But Alan Carr's phrase was, it takes no willpower not to do something you don't want to do. I know there's a lot of double negatives there. But, you know, as I used this example the other day with Freddie, I said, you know, no part of me wants to do heroin. So it takes no willpower to not do heroin. So what Alan Carr does is he gets your brain around the idea that, not that smoking is bad for you. We all know that. But it gets you into a place where you no longer desire to smoke. And so mm-hmm. it takes no willpower because that's how right. I quit. And same with drinking. I got to the point where, and that's why, again, I got nothing against Alcoholics Anonymous. It helps so many people, including some people that are close to me. Mm-hmm. But I basically decided in my obsessive nature that I was no longer being served by this, so it took no willpower not to do it anymore because something in my brain, a light switch or whatever, switched off. The drinking switch is, is and it's off now. Mm-hmm. I don't even think about it. In fact, you know, other than that post I put up every year of me passed out on a bed, hammered, other than that, I really don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. And I know lots of people have different experiences. But that's such a different thing. I love what you talked about is that it turned out to be like no desire to do it. And it was it it, it wasn't that you were like powering through, you know, you still would love a drink, but your willpower is is holding you back. Yeah, great. That is a completely different thing. And it connects so much with a lot of things I've been thinking about and talking about these days is, again, is 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 using our our awareness and it and a lot of it started with reading brewer's stuff talking to him he talked about it in this way he said with a lot of people around smoking it's just something that they do they 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 have a phone call uh get a coffee they go for a car and automatically have a cigarette and not even aware that in, in fact they're having a cigarette and he said he said why not just really be in the experience of having a cigarette, mm-hmm. taking the drag, feeling the go down into your lungs, the exhalation, and and just feel what's going on. <laughs> what they found was that using this uh, this awareness method, people would go like, "This is disgusting." Mm-hmm. <laughs> like their lungs burn up, they have a bad taste in their mouth, they don't feel good afterwards. Yeah, they might get that dopamine hit from nicotine. But they have the awareness of this isn't something I want to do. So they make a choice that I don't – it's not that I'm going to quit smoking. I just choose not to do it anymore. 
Yeah, there's lots of uh, people out there, and I'm sure some of this is relatable, that are, uh, you know, know people that are, even years later, still addicted to cigarettes, even though they're not smoking them. And I hear people say that, oh man, man, I'd love a cigarette, or I'd love a drink. And I'm like, well, you should probably have one then. Because... You know, obviously, you're still attached to it. Because yep. people always ask me that. I've actually, one of my favorite things, and when people say to me, so, like, uh, you don't drink? I go, no. But you'll have a glass of wine once in a while. I go, well, no, I won't. Because, you know, because to them, maybe drinking a glass of wine isn't really drinking. But uh, I feel bad for people that are years and years into this, quit, and still have, are still pining for it. Or they... exactly. You know, I know some people that are still addicted to nicotine. They just don't smoke cigarettes. They chew gum. Yeah, or it's, or yeah, or another chew or some or other vape. substitute. Yeah, exactly. So let's get back to the the point of this show is golf and <laughs> and I and I think it's uh, well and no, but I I think that the idea of making incremental changes in your golf swing, in your golf game, decade approach, mental performance attitudinally Mm -hmm. those are all things in the seven plus years we've been doing this that both of us have seen change in our games and our attitudes and our approach to how we play and i think that's kind of a a nice place to kick off 2023 and it's funny you brought up goals because you know i'd written down you know goals for 2023 like because if you want to make some changes it's the fourth of january you'd better get started um, I, you know, I've been, I've probably spent more time indoors this, this season because of what happened to me in Mexico and my desire now to go back and stay, you know, away for a couple months. I spent more time hitting balls indoors than I ever have. I mean, I've, you know, swing in my spare bedroom all the time, but so what are your thoughts about coaching people the way you do and, or people listening, making some changes to their games this winter? The the thing that I've been noodling on around myself, I'll start with myself first, is um, I've been trying to, I've always got my head around this idea of getting, say, better. And so if I come at my own game as I want to get better, then what I'm doing is I'm judging that where I'm at uh, basically sucks or not good enough or it's just not where I want to want to be. And that to me is, is that puts me in a, in a, in a negative space. Um, And it tells me that um, what I'm doing is, is not good and I need to fix it. I need to, to do something. I need to find a solution or, or, or better ways to do it. And so that puts me in a place of, of, of judgment and usually just a lot of thinking and, and I've been thinking a lot about this, hence this torrent of words that's pouring out of me. Um, and it links me to all my past bullshit, the the, the all the the stuff that I've carried around, uh, my belief system not good enough, uh, bad habits. How did you get to the age of sixty five with all this work you've been and not being where you want to be? If I can just be aware of those thoughts and let them go. In, in in essence, not judge, not evaluate, not compare. If I could just be in this place of of just, I'm okay where I'm at. Yeah, I would love to get up and down more. Um, 
love to get out of bunkers more cleanly, get a little more zip on the ball. But if I'm okay where I'm at and just experience what I'm hap- happening versus always thinking and judging, oh, I did it wrong. I got to do it right. What's the new thing I need to do? If I can get out of that, then I think I can be where I where I need to be. And those changes that I'm looking for, those little incremental improvements, they will come. So that was a lot of words, but um, I've been thinking. Well, I don't a lot think you should. I don't think you so. should judge how many words you use. <laughs> um, I don't totally agree or disagree with what you just said. I agree with it to the point that judging yourself inadequate. You know, one of the books that you and I first connected on. And I can't remember if it was called. Um, I can't. Well, at one point, I could have recalled the name of the book, but I've lost that. Extraordinary ability. golf. Not extraordinary golf. It was the one written by the Swedish dude where one of the phrases in the books that book that stuck with me and resonated with both of us is my swing is broken and I must fix it. Quantum golf. That's what it was called. Oh, yeah. That guy. So quantum golf, that was his whole sort of thing was most people, two things that resonated. One is that and the other was that most people are just two swings away from completely melting down. down. Right. And I used to laugh. I'm like two swings. I'm like half a swing. But where I don't agree with it is, yeah, I mean, I think we all need to accept that we are who we are as a golfer, as a player, whatever. But, you know, I'm working on stuff this winter because I've assessed where I need to improve. Mm-hmm. And and I golfers love to use this word. They love to use the word consistency. And I always say that's bullshit. Everyone would like to, you're already consistently who you are. You, you have consistency because you play the basic, we all play the basic same game all the time. What I'm looking for, and I think what most golfers want, is predictability. And I, I want more predictability, and how I build that, or how I'm going about building it, is foundationally. And, and you know, listen, we're, you, because none of, because consistency is unachievable but right. predictability and i know you're making this face like what's the difference well here's the difference <laughs> like if your ball's in the wrong spot if your if your setup is incorrect if your weight's in the wrong place if you're aimed incorrectly you're going to have unpredictable results if you work, you know, it's, we've, I've told the story a thousand times in the show about Nicholas. And every year in January, Nicholas worked on grip, alignment, ball position, setup. This is the best player that ever played the game in his era and probably only second to Tiger overall. I don't care about the majors. But, um, of course, I'm a Tiger fan, so I would say that. But, but that's what I'm working on in the wintertime, making sure that my setup allows me in in under pressure to be more predictable as to what's going to happen to the ball. We're always going to miss it. It's not going to go as far. We're always going to miss hit it. But my miss hits under pressure are absurdly bad. I just, they really are. I was thinking about a couple of holes I played in the senior am this year. That was just unbelievable. And it comes from being poorly set up because nerves, I'm, I'm not that I'm past nerves at this point. But nerves aren't what caused me to pull hook a four iron 50 yards left. That's not nerves. That's just, you know, inconsistent, poorly set up. I mean, my foundation sometimes gets away from me. So that's what I'm working on this entire winter. I worked on it a little bit last year. 
But what I'm trying to do is get my swing to a point was where I miss it. I'll miss it in a more predictable fashion. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, you used the word semantics earlier, and I'm semantics. I'm wondering if it's the same. I'm not anti-semantic, the by the way. I'm not, I'm not sure it's... You see, uh, I, I can understand where you're coming from, but we're trying to be more predictable. Um, I would put it, again, it could be just semantics. I want to put it that I will become more adept at to responding to whatever challenges before me in terms of the shot, in essence, the puzzle I need to solve. Mm-hmm. And... I figure for me is that I will do that best through my own sense of awareness and that I will be aware as I go through that, oh, goodness, um, I just noticed that um, I'm aligned into the farmer's field over here, (laughs) not at the hole. Uh, I'm aware, oh, my goodness, I've got a white knuckle uh, grip on this. And what I'm trying to do, am I trying to strangle the club or swing it? That's the awareness piece. So rather than being in my head thinking, am I doing the right things? It's more that piece of, of noticing, observing. And that's, to me, the, the, the core skill of awareness. We've talked about many times about meditation. It's not about trying to clear my mind or how long can I stay attached to my breath. The skill is, oh, my intent was to be focused on my breath. I'm thinking about the email I need to send. Bring it back to my breath. That's the skill of awareness. And so that's in terms of working with people and on my own game, I figure if I can just be more aware of of what I'm experiencing as I'm trying to hit certain shots or I'm trying to, you know, get the ball to hit and skip and stop at the third, then I'll I'll grow in that I'll I'll grow in, in, in my own experience and my skill will increase in that in that way again you know maybe we're maybe this is semantics but here's the thing like even in meditation you know you need to practice being aware absolutely i'm about to i'm about to explode everything you just said so get ready for it um even in meditation or in any discipline you need to there's a practice even in the world of awareness where you practice daily Becoming more aware, noticing when you are distracted, bringing it back to your breath, whatever it is you're using as your anchor that day. So I would say to you, you can, you know, dreamily, (laughs) you can dream of being, you know, lined up correctly with your weight in the right spots. All I know is for me, um, I need to work on the practice of alignment and setup so that when the real golf, you know, when it happens that the pressure is on, that I'm not aimed in a farmer's field, that I, that here's the thing I would say lastly, because I'm going to let you finish. I'll let you respond. <laughs> you only build awareness by being, by being aware of when it's not right. If you don't really know, like, because if in, in using your theory, if you're, you know, if you don't know you're aimed three feet right of the hole. You can, you know, you're, if you don't, I'm sorry, it, it's the practice of being aware uh, that you're misaligned that gives you better alignment. You just can't say, well, I hope that I, my awareness will bring, bring, bring down. No, it's, through, it's through working through it. It's, it's well, that's that, what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like, I, and I don't even like that working word. I, I don't like it at all. 
Um, but you, you need to train yourself. I mean, the reason that people train yeah, in practice is in well, practice. It's like you're saying, yeah, training practice. Yeah, we would yeah, call it working. Part on of your that own. could be is is you know why do I have a like this little routine where I stand behind the ball and I get an intermediate target sure. and I stand and and so so that I can train myself over time to make to hopefully not be and let me just say this and the training and by by training yourself it actually increases your awareness because you know the difference between aimed too far right which is what most golfers do where left-handed golfers aim too far left and and being so it's in the practice of aligning yourself correctly that your awareness goes up So then I I start to notice a lot and you start to notice a lot more. So I noticed under pressure because I've played a lot of tournaments. I do play a lot and I noticed I've started to do my review of 2022 and I'm like, okay, in these situations, these are the things that tend to come up and I don't. And and so I want to increase my awareness of my misaligned ball position. I, I want to do those things so that in those situations, I will have a more acute mechanism of noticing, you know, I um, signed up for the uh, Sam Harris waking up app. I've used a couple of different apps for meditation, but this is one of my favorites. And and so my regular meditative practice, you know, I'm on like I don't know, they I they're on the phone it, like sixty days in a row. But cool. I've definitely noticed over now doing it every day, I'm just a little bit incrementally quicker to notice when i'm mind is wandering and i'm bringing it back so that's why i say like just wanting to be more aware is a great goal but you need to train your or put it into a habitual form of practice so that it does increase your awareness so i miss we're saying similar things i just think as golfers go if you want to, if your grip is horrible, you can be aware of it all you want, but if you don't correct it at some point, you're going to be stuck doing the same things. Yeah, but who's to say your grip is horrible? Well, because I, I, here's what I would say. If your grip is not, I'm not even, hey, listen, if your grip is horrible and you're hitting it down the middle, then it's not horrible. But if your grip is horrible and you can't make contact with the club and the ball, then you should probably investigate what a grip, like a, a foundational grip is. You yeah, know what I mean? Like changing or, or, or experimenting was different because I had uh, a client last year who was a really, he's a, he was a very good uh, tennis player and uh, like very competitive and he's now moved into golf now that he's you know getting a little bit older. And I looked at his grip and it was like, you know, that the right hand his right-handed golfer, the right hand is way underneath and the and the and his left hand grip is what we'd call really weak, you know. Um yep. and all that and, well, and I'm sorry, Swami, who's to say it's weak? According to what standard? Anyways, please continue. Oh, 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 very good, <laughs> very good. <laughs> The against the standard that has been set in yeah, yeah golf, I, no, right? keep going. I know what you're. I can't. Like, you Anyways, he, he this guy is a really good ball striker. Fantastic. And his knees, his knees are bent more than would be suggested to anybody, and he's kind of got this inside path. But goodness, he just hits that ball. And solid. isn't that great? Like, listen, most I, of the time, I'm 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 only saying you should make changes if you're not hitting it great and you're not having a, a great experience and your and your chipping is fine and your putting is well. Listen, I played competitive golf against this guy 
I wish I could remember his name because he's a beauty guy from St. Catharines. I think I told the story of uh, playing in a Ryder Cup match with him. And he, he's cross-handed. But I'll tell you oh, what, yeah. he's cross-handed and smokes the shit out of it. Like, I, I first noticed on the first green, because we were playing a doubles match, and I said to my buddy, I said, look at this dude, he's chipping cross-handed. He says, chipping? Did you not notice? Because I'm such an idiot. He goes, did you not notice he's hit driver and five iron cross-handed? And I was like, what? And I've become buddies with this guy. I love seeing him hit the ball because it's amazing. Yeah. But he's not having any trouble getting the ball out there. Exactly. All I'm saying is, you know, there, if you can't, if you're having issues in your golf game, all, all of this by way of saying that the winter time, you know, uh, my buddy coach Nick Turquillo from uh, Humber, you know, he's basically said to me a couple times, if you're not done dicking around by April, it's too late, you know, because then you have to start playing. And that's my goal this year is I've spent December, January, February, and I'm going to spend March working on, well, I'm going to use the word working, sorry practicing learning refining my golf motion so that come april and may i'm ready to try it to 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 bring it to the golf course uh all by way of saying again that you know now's a great time you know to look in the mirror and to tape your swing and to see where you're aimed you know like like i am even as long as i've been playing and you too like you can always work on your setup it pays such big dividends by getting your weight in the right place well i noticed for me as the season wars wears on sometimes i start to get back on my heels okay well that's not the best way for me to hit a golf ball now if i'm back in my heels like your friend and my grip is odd and i'm smoking it then great leave me alone um but i just noticed that uh now those are some of the things that for me at least that winter is a great opportunity to make some of those things. Yeah, it, I agree with you 100% that uh, exactly now is the time. If you're going to video your swing, yes. Uh, if you're going to put on any, use any kind of um, measuring device like those those foot plate things, <laughs> yeah. You know, all that's all that stuff. Do it now. Yeah. Because if you do it when the golf season starts, you know, I know that I would like almost anybody else, I would go, oh, I'm doing it wrong, so I need to do this. And that just fucks me up. I agree, man. And um, and I'm not saying, by the way, to all our friends that teach, again, you know, summertime's a great time to, to take lessons and learn. Absolutely it is. For me, I, I like having that feedback. I rarely, in the summertime, though, almost never, I, I don't want to go, I don't go on track, man, in the summer. I use my, uh, I, by the way, I've been doing a lot of speed training this winter, too. I've been doing my speed sticks again, thanks to Ryan in Robillard. Your nursery, in your golf nursery? In my nursery. Thanks to Ryan at Speed Stick Canada. He uh, helped me. Uh, I paid for it, but he helped me find the uh, the green stick that I broke indoors. How's the drywall in your nursery? It's not good. It? It's not good. Um, I hit the wall That's a couple times. That's the problem. I cut the wall a couple I, times recently. Shit. But, I, I told you the old, uh, I told you my story. About the uh, at this George Newton swing trainer, oh yeah, little eighteen inch shaft, little weight on the back, and swinging this thing. <laughs> in our, we gutted our kitchen, and but the thing is, is that when you're swinging like that, you, you lose track of where you are because it all becomes about the swing. Oh yeah, so I take the swing and go whack, and I look back and oh my god, I took out this like toonie sized paint thing and this dent in our stove. 
Oh my god! I'll put up a uh, picture sometime of of all the holes in the wall of Golf Lab. So I'm doing all that stuff now. I'm laughing too because I'm rarely. I was going to say I rarely will videotape my swing in the summertime because I find it screws me up too much. Because I even because there's I'm sure a lot of people have this experience where I think I'm swinging great and I see it on tape and I'm like ah. Yeah. It's, it's why you should never tape yourself having sex. But anyway, because when you, it's like you think you're doing a great job and then it's just like uncoordinated, you know, I, I've seen my, okay, let's leave that alone, Tim. I know. You, I, no, no, no. Finish that thought, please. I've seen. But anyway, no, I've just, listen, I've seen myself. It's gross. Um, and, and my golf swing, what, but one of the things about seeing my swing in the winter time is what I do is I tape and I use my uh, laptop and my phone. But in my golf lab, I set my laptop up and I put it on photo booth for two reasons. So while I'm doing my drills and, and we're looking, on, looking at my setup, is I can go and look in the computer and see, okay, that's so from down the line view. And I have a mirror in front of me, obviously. But then I'll tape myself doing drills to see if I'm doing the drills correctly. I don't let too many swings go by before I check it. And I think that's a great use of video. Whatever changes you're trying to make as incremental, and we're going to bring this to an end soon, as incremental as they can be, you still want to check and see if in fact what you're feeling is what you're seeing. And I will will rest my case. Well, I mean, again, that comes back to, to the subject of awareness. Yes. You're, you're, you're getting data and then you're, you, you're seeing and you're seeing that you're collecting data over time and you, you get to notice and you get to see that's, yes, that's awesome. I mean, <laughs> what are the great, okay, what's up? Nothing. I'm just laughing. Something. What do you mean? Nothing. Nothing. I just read a text. It was very funny. Okay. Hey, um, I wanted to, as we, do we feel like we're fairly complete on this topic? I'm, uh, you know what? You have completed me. Okay. Yes. yes. yes, yes. So uh, you contributed to me not having a very good sleep last night. Yeah. I, 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 why is that? Because you threw a word at me. Oh, right. What was it? Alacrity? Text. Alacrity. Yes. Yeah. And um, so I responded, you know, a stupid thing that I don't do alacrity. It scares me or something. Yeah. Well, here's what happened. Um, all last night. I kept turning around saying the word alacrity to myself. That seems it just odd. kept coming up and up and up. And so finally at three fifty and you know here here it was? I didn't know what it meant. Oh come on. No, seriously. So at three fifty AM I get my phone out and I look it up. <laughs> and it means to respond kind of quickly yes. and say cheerfully. Yes. Uh, to something. And it was just, <laughs> I just thought I'd let you know, <laughs> just for whatever amusement it brings you and perhaps our STDs, that uh, the brain is a, oh, the mind is a, is a wild thing. And I was just like, I just, I kept tossing and turning alacrity, alacrity. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to find the message I wrote to you. And and the context I said, uh, oh, it was about the the email we're sending to. Oh, right. uh, You know, I I think it was was it a text or was an email? I think it was a text. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I hear. I said, um, if you have any notes on the thing I wrote today, send those with pleasure and alacrity. (laughs) 
Um, so I know I used it correctly. Um, why do I you use did. these? Why do I use these words? Because my dad, the great Lou Glassman, uh, who got me started in the game of golf, also got me started uh, loving uh, to read. At a very early age, and also he loved words. And uh, I don't know if I've ever told you a story, but quickly, every day, every Saturday, I should say, I would go downtown with my mom, and she would take me to the store. My dad had a little menswear store, and I would get my allowance by either reciting a passage of Shakespeare. I'm talking to like age six, seven, eight, uh, or awesome. or um, my dad was like, I would get a project every week to to learn a word, use it in a sentence. And so, uh, you know, I was this precocious little snot at seven years old going to my dad's store and reciting, uh, if thou didn't ever hold me in thy heart, absent thee from felicity a while, and in this dark world draw thy breath in pain to tell my story. Wow. Oh, yeah. So there's a foundation of how you end up being this eminent words, word yes. uh, sayer. <laughs> yeah. My dad was... Uh, also, the person that introduced me to the love of the golf swing. Yeah. Because my dad was an early, you know, golf digest collector, and his store was littered with, um, like, his golf lab. With the back of the store in his little sort of dingy office, there was golf digest pieces cut out of swing positions. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I come by it honestly. Yeah. Well, um, We've all got our models and our mentors. And one of my key models was my uh, my uncle Pat. And uh, he wouldn't say so if we were but and he just loved to sort of perform. And he wouldn't just say if we're going to. I remember we were at this place. He says, instead of saying our watch, he says, let's all set our chronometers. <laughs> <laughs> and you wouldn't just be someone wouldn't just be sad. They'd be lugubrious. I love that. And he would just sort of, and my other, and my uncle Gerald too would do it too. But when Gerald would say these words or these phrases, he knew were a little bit, you know, you know, a, a thousand dollar phrase versus a, a mere hundred dollar phrase. He'd say it, then he'd sort of sniff, <laughs> look at you. So, oh, it's just so you know, we've all got models and mentors, and and uh, my two uncles, those two uncles, were particularly uh, influential when it came to me and words. Well, I'm glad. But uh, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I stayed up all night. Is 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 that I have this compulsion to understand these things? Because if I come across a word, if I'm like reading in the morning or something, I come across a word I don't know, I have to look it up immediately. But I'm just curious, uh, listening to your story though, like. Why didn't you look it up right away rather than three o'clock in the morning? Because uh, I was heading out the door. Oh, I see. Yeah, I was heading out the door. Um, before we wrap up, I want to give our friend Sean Casey a bit of a shout out because he's been so good to us. And um, listen, there's lots and lots of choices, more and more every day in the uh, GTA around Southern Ontario, wherever you are uh, listening to this podcast. A lot of choices of indoor experiences, more than I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, in the States, Top Tracer, I'm sure it's coming to Canada at some point. But all across the country, especially in, you know, winter torn Canada, uh, <laughs> the prolifer proliferation of these uh, places. But I've never seen any place like Sean's. It's Burl Oak Indoor Golf. And he's always good to us. 
um, actually, I'm having uh, lunch with Sean on a Friday. And I said, you know, I told him, I said, dude, let us help you. Tim and I are both big fans. And um, I keep saying, just give me a paragraph to talk to people about your, and I'll, I'll do it on the Humble and Fred show too. But let me just say, if no matter where you've been, and there's, again, there's tons of them, but Burl Oak Indoor Golf is the sort of whatever the... It's the cr- yeah, it's the crown jewel of these places. Not only is it nets, it's foresight, it's obviously track man bays, it's got a short game area. Like you can full on chip in this place. Um, it's got a green that you putt on that's got break. Like yep. a, it's unbelievable. It's I've also, used it for uh, I've used it for for workshops. your for for your workshops. Also, there's a chiropractor club fitting. Uh, I'm getting my grips changed there Friday. And, uh, you know, listen, I'm not getting anything for this other than I like Sean a lot, as do you. And um, sort of to finish off our discussion about training indoors, practicing indoors in the wintertime, I've never found a better place than Sean's. And plus, he's they're just such good guys there. Nate's there, your buddy. And uh, there's just a good group of people there. And there's a good vibe about the place. Oh, it's a what I love about it is just saying. You just go in and drink in the atmosphere if yeah. you want. I mean, you could just go in there and sit on a bench and just watch and listen, and you'd love it. But you know what? Case is the reason uh, he's the one who brought us together, is that he knew I was doing these articles, and and um, they were talking about – basically, the articles were about coaching relationships and how – players and coaches work together and and what's worked for different people in terms of the improvements they've been seeking and he told me that you had been working with you uh, this you know this guy humble howard who you've certainly heard of uh that you were a four handicap and you got down to a two or something yeah and and he put us together and so so maybe this is our way of saying thank you to Sean Casey. Well, I, I do appreciate that. And I'm going to say, like, for the, for the rest of this winter, at least, let's give Sean a shout out. Because, like I said, he's and, and he's taken on a lot there. It's a big footprint. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's almost to capacity now in terms of membership. But there's always room for more. Plus, you can sort of be a daily fee player for sure. But I was in there sometime, I think, between uh, Jesus' birthday and the new year. And it was uh, it was packed, and I was so happy for him. Yeah, because he's not a nicer guy, and he deserves whatever success he gets out of that place. But I've also been in there. You know, it's a tough business that indoor golf because as soon as here in Canada, you know, as much as we love it in the winter, as soon as April fifteenth comes and it's warm enough to play outside, you know, it's a tough business. So, oh yeah, you got to do it now. Uh, thanks to TaylorMade Golf as always. Uh, TaylorMade.ca, of course. Tim O'Connor, there's a good man. O'ConnorGolf.ca is how you find Tim. I uh, read uh, with interest your uh, latest blog. I think it was about being in Canmore, was it not? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, we were supposed to talk about that. Go ahead and uh, take a couple minutes now and talk about that, and then we'll shut this thing down. Oh, well, yeah, so we went out there with the family, Corey. My oldest boy lives in BC, so my sister, it was easy, kind of a meeting place to come and hang out with my sister and her family. So as soon as we arrive, the temperature plunges <laughs> to minus 30. Oh, yeah. Minus 35. And it stayed for our entire visit. So that nullified um, skiing at Lake Louise and doing, you know, snowshoeing, all that kind of stuff. But we did go out. But, you know, after 15 minutes, yeah, you know, it's, of, they're not of, screwing of around getting, out there. 
getting stuff on. Yeah, I wrote a I wrote a a, a blog, um, and <laughs> it was interesting is how throughout my life I had just had this avert. You've talked about it too. This aversion to cold, mm. and what I found was that um, yeah, I had you know dressed warmly enough, etc. Um, that I'd get out there and actually I'd be okay. Uh, and I didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, it was it was pretty cool. I, I it was funny. I just I just struck me as funny. It's like I I realized that when I was walking around, I had lips. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I never usually conscious of having lips. Yeah. Until but, they're starting to freeze. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 they're kind of. I kind of felt like Gina Davis in her Botox period. They're mm. just big and. I like Gina Davis. Feel them. So, yeah. anyways, it was just some fun stuff. But we had a great trip, and uh, so I'll give you a little little travel tip that you probably already know. Never check your baggage. Oh my gosh! When we got back, it was like five in the morning. I had to wait an hour and a half. Oh my god! Yeah, and the same experience coming back from uh, Mexico. Um, whenever I came back in November, I got I landed at seven thirty. You know, I didn't get my bags. That's why I think I told the story. Maybe I told you off the air that. I landed at 7.30, and at 9.15, I still hadn't, got, still hadn't got my bags. And I wasn't feeling great, so I remember no. I called Fred and said, I'm not doing the show tomorrow morning. But, um, yeah, they're not screwing around out there with the winter. You know, I grew up no, in that weather. No, it's been, been pretty wild. A lot of, uh, yeah, poor Buffalo, eh? My goodness. No, I know. You probably um, talked about it on your Oh, yeah, tons. Show. Um, but yeah, and, just, and now they get, now they, you know, they, people die in a snowstorm, and 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 now this uh, the the uh, the football player yeah, in critical condition. Oh my goodness! But I was going to say, having grown up out there, you know, I've lived in I've lived in Calgary, and I grew up in Saskatchewan, and that's why when you know, no matter how bad it gets here, and it gets cold, you know, we had a couple of days in that snow, that storm, in that trough of weather where it's probably minus twenty here for a couple of days. But you know, I can see the grass, and you know. You know, you can hit balls outdoors here in the wintertime if you really wanted to. I mean, I have. And uh, I always tell the story about my dad and my brothers and I going to the Edmonton Coliseum when they still played there. It was like minus 35. And we were going from the car to the rink. And I started, I was living in California at the time. And I remember saying, I was, I was sort of pretending that I was like, just leave me here to die. I kept going, it's fine, just go ahead. It's too cold. Leave me here to die. My dad get all pissed at me. He goes, what are you talking about? You grew up in this weather. I go, well, there's a reason I don't live here anymore, old man. Um, all right. Thanks again to everybody. O'ConnorGolf.ca. Of course, the Humble and Fred show back at uh, HumbleandFred.com, uh, wherever you get podcasts and such. And uh, thanks to everyone. All the best in the new year, Timothy. Always a pleasure yeah. to do the show with you. I think this was episode um, 220. Or something like that. It's there gonna, goes. That's pretty impressive, I'd say. Oh, yeah. And uh, we'll see everyone in a couple of weeks. Take care. A band is blowing Dixie. Double fall time.